They're going to get you the well. Let's talk about all the lies. We've got Mr. Tom Korski, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter. Hello there. Hi, Alex. Boy, oh boy, do you have a lot of stuff to talk about today. I love this middle class story because, of course, all we ever hear about is, uh, you know, all the politicians fighting for the middle class and, you know, Krista Freeland talking about strong middle class. But it's interesting because she just delivered her budget. And there was some internal polling that, that uh, I guess, warned of the uh, widespread anger of this middle class. And uh, middle class doesn't like the direction of this country, says the Privy Council report. But the budget did not very much for the middle class, which I don't even know what the middle class is. Like, what is the middle class? We're all struggling. It's interesting. Yeah, they they don't define it. And they haven't. And they've been asked for years. And Mona, Mona point, Fortier uh, could not do that in her, like, what, 20 seconds in that job that doesn't exist anymore? Well, this was it. And even <laughs> the uh, – we saw in some internal memos in the Department of Finance that they defined middle class as, at one point, under 47000 a year. Well, mm. well, well <laughs> that's I mean, not middle class. Would, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that means you're – I mean, you can't afford to eat spaghetti at that rate. Right. No. But what was interesting is it's absolutely contrived. You're right. So they, they do this internal polling. It tells them people are upset. Inflation is driving people crazy. They're watching their standard of living decline. They're getting very angry. Country's going in the wrong direction. Many harsh statements by respondents in these focus groups. What is the federal government's response? It's to get a stock photo of what they thought was a, a multiracial middle class people to put on the cover of the budget and with a slogan that says strong middle class. How contrived is that? You may recall... Well, I the whole government's when, contrived. <laughs> well, this is it. It's all sloganeering. You remember when budgets used to be an honest, straightforward, upfront accounting of the nation's finances and where the Treasury stood, how much we owed, and how much they would collect. Not anymore. It's all about messaging. Everything is messaging. That's why things are going so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what you want to hear. Uh, just not the reality. Uh, this is not getting a lot of attention, but I'm curious to know. So cabinet uh, confirming yesterday, it's going to pay $23 billion in compensation for uh, systemic underfunding of First Nations. This is a child welfare program. And Patricia Hadju, uh, God bless that woman, um, she says it's an important piece of healing. Uh, so they're going to give like $40,000 per individual. This is a compensation p- uh, package, I guess, that could cost $40 billion um, and they also want an apology from Trudeau, which he's great at. He does it all the time, so that's not the issue. But was this part of the budget, this this spending? They have budgeted, budgeted that, in fact, over two fiscal years because the cost is so high. So $23.3 billion just in compensation. Minimum payments, 40000 There will be some individuals receive more. Parliamentary Budget Office estimated about a quarter million claimants. These are including former kids, uh, grandparents, parents, due to systemic underfunding in the child welfare system. It goes back to 1965. But this mm-hmm. is a longstanding human rights case that was upheld on complaints by a federal judge. And the, the implication is there has to be reforms to the system. How much is the total bill? At mm-hmm. one point, uh, Cabinet Minister Mark Miller put it at $40 billion dollars. The defense budget is only $25 billion. It's expensive, Alex. No question. That's crazy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, 
so we seem to have a, a real ethics issue in uh, Ottawa. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the uh, I, I don't know what's going on that, uh, with this thing. But the, the the Privy Council office is not commenting um, on, on this whole appointment of Dominic LeBlanc's sister-in-law. Um, she's the interim commissioner. Uh, Min- Minister Dominic LeBlanc had said that he recused himself from the crucial vote to give her the job temporarily, uh, except he says that he he recused himself from the vote. Um, on the wrong day because it happened a day earlier. So how can you recuse yourself from something that you weren't like you were at? I, I don't understand. It, is he lying? Well, the, this is the Privy Council office, by the way, that once did publish a cabinet order dated April 31st. Yeah, that's true. Days in <laughs> April. So, it, 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 right, just just because they're getting six-figure salaries doesn't mean they know how to read a calendar, Alex. What happened? <laughs> Of all people, former ethics commissioner Mario Dion is now an mm. enthusiastic social media poster. <laughs> and we ran an item the other day that said, you know, routine item, minister says he recused himself, didn't vote for his sister-in-law to get a nice job. Well, ex-former commissioner Dion tweets, how do you recuse yourself from a vote that happened the previous day? And sure enough, he's right. The minister says he recused himself from a vote on March 28th. But the cabinet order says the vote was on March 27th. Well, how are they able to bend this space-time continuum? Everyone wants to know. The implication is this is just a merely typo, sloppy paperwork. But I agree with you. Ethics-wise, this town just runs like a Swiss watch. They're just doing a great job. They've got this beat, Alex. Yeah, but they don't even care anymore. I mean, I think they realize they can do whatever they want, whether it's Chinese or whatever they want. It's all good. Anything goes. They just trust them. It's just crazy. Uh, Well, they're down to 32.6%, though. I mean, you know, it's 32%, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, more than 620,000 people face clawbacks of uh, tax refunds under this uh, program to recover people that cheated the system from CERB. Uh, and the NDP are just like, you know what? It's all good. Just give them animus, amnesty. Don't worry about collecting it because this is uh, something we should just let the people keep, I guess. Right? Figures is sought by, uh, that's right, New Democrat MP Daniel Blakey of Elmwood, Transcona, in Winnipeg. And it does show, as you mentioned, 600,000 people who claimed CERB didn't deserve it, did not meet eligibility requirements, now face clawback of tax refunds. MP Blakey says, why is the Canada Revenue Agency chasing poor people for money they don't have? That's a reasonable point. By the way, CRA has said they will spend $147 million on audits. They've already spent it. It's very costly when you don't do it right the first time and block ineligible claimants. What no one says is, well, what about poor people who looked at the criteria and said, I don't qualify. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to apply for those benefits. What about them? No one answers that. And these clawbacks are going to go on for years, Alex. The cost of enforcement, because the revenue agency didn't get it done up front, they they had one job, they didn't do it, it's going to cost taxpayers millions and millions chasing these individual accounts. Or billions, because they don't even want to chase it. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But but, but, uh, But another story you guys did also shows that the CRA, look, when it comes to the audits, they go after more of the poor tax filers than the wealthier ones. And it's like, you know, so they're going after the lowest tax brackets, you know, those earning 49000 a year. But never do they go after, like, anyone in the Panama Papers. Um, and I think it's because they filled the CRA with a bunch of pencil pushers who don't really understand it. the easiest 
people to go after are like the, the, the mom and pop shops and the people who can least afford it. Like, and they'll go after them for like two bucks. Isn't that interesting to see those uh, figures, by the way? Yeah. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was interesting. You're absolutely right. More audits for people who earn under 49000 than there are for people who make more than 240000 Well, why would you do that? Well, they've heard this anecdotally for years, talk about internal yeah. polling. Yeah. Because people who make a quarter million can hire really good tax lawyers, whereas if you go after students who maybe have misplaced a moving receipt on their expenses, that's easier. They didn't report average average gain on audits for under 49000 because you know it's chump change. By the way, you said it. In the case of the CERB audits, they are chasing some accounts that are that are $7 over payments. That's been reported. $7. It's documented. Mm-hmm. It is insane, but I do hear it from a lot of people, a lot of business people, and they're just like, I just I get harassed all the time. And it's like all we hear about is tax the rich, tax the rich. That's not what they're doing. They're going after the people that, uh, you know, that can least afford it. Nonetheless, maybe they'll be on strike by – are they going on strike tomorrow? I don't think so. Okay. I do not. They're going to get their thirty percent raise because <laughs> they've sure well, earned it. Well, you you are playing poker with Mona Forte. I mean, I think <laughs> <laughs> she is. Uh, I don't think she has the ability to bluff. She's not that smart. All right, Mr. Tom uh, Korski, you have a terrific long weekend. You guys deserve it. Thanks so much. Oh, you for as well. Here. Thank you very much, Alex. Thank you. That's Tom Korski over at Blacklock's Reporter, subscription based, worth every penny. Just keep the receipt.